0: Hi, this is Yaro Duvalco. I'm a quarterback at Skyview High School, and you're listening to Full Circle Podcast. This is the Full Circle Podcast with 360 Preps. I am your host, Joshua Hart. I'm here with Meg Walknick today to discuss uh, some big football news of the week, which is, of course, uh, WIA announcing its locations for the state football championships this fall. And then we'll break down some surprises through the first three weeks and some other observations that we've seen early on in this fall season. So that's what's on tap for episode six of the Full Circle podcast. All right, uh, I am I am back from Portugal, Meg, and uh, you know.
1: Thankfully. <laughs> Thankfully yes
0: it was it was a great time uh, you know it's always nice to, to get away for a week especially on your honeymoon so it was it was gorgeous over there it was different it was a lot of good coffee and wine and food so uh, you know it was great uh, so sorry for leaving you guys behind in week three but we struggled
1: we struggled <laughs> I have to admit so it was, a, it was a week full of struggles but we managed to plow through and and we're happy to have you back and in one full piece no less. Well, here we are getting going for week four action.
0: Admittedly, at like one a.m. or I get, yeah, I guess it would have been in the morning, Saturday morning in Portugal. Uh, like you know, woke up at nine a.m. and I checked Twitter. You know, Wi-Fi at the hotel, and I'm seeing football scores rolling in. Uh, so I know that's kind of a bad thing, but you know, it was there was a couple scores that caught me by surprise in week three, to be honest. And so I'm I'm kind of wondering, was there things back here that you you know when you get back from your game that that you were taken aback by
1: a couple of things you know i actually made the nice trek up north uh to cover skyview mount Si. that was a game that i figured would give a good test to the storm coming in at that point it was 2-0 going against a team uh, that pretty much had its way with Skyview down at Kiggins Bowl last year, 52-28, to 28, and I came away with um, an impressed Mount team that beat Skyview 31-26, to 26. but a couple of teams that surprised me, and, and one of that was Prairie now, 3-0 for the first time in, in more than 25 years. This is a program that traditionally isn't known as far as the wins and losses column, Um, But all of a sudden, Mike Peck's team is, is really rolling on all cylinders, especially offensively. A.J. Dixon in another tremendous game, over 360 yards passing, had seven total touchdowns in their victory on the road against a very good Black Hills team that reached the 2A the state quarterfinals. And they have one more non-league game against Battleground uh, this week before kicking off league play. So there was a lot of surprising games, a lot of good results, but uh, I'm going to have to say the Falcons, definitely that one going to 3-0 for me.
0: I think that's really a testament to what Mike Peck has really done with that group. I know we we had highlighted them early in the season as a potential sleeper team or somebody to watch mm-hmm. this season, and you know I think there was a couple teams in that three A G- GSHL where we're like, ah, it's kind of wide open, you know, two, three, four spots, and now it's looking like Prairie could even challenge Mountain View, uh, or at least give them a good game at some point this year. So, uh, you know, I think he's done a great job, and I know it's early, but you know, kind of the results speak for themselves, and the kids are fired up, and 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 that goes a long way through the course of a season.
1: I I do, and, and we still have uh, another week to, do, to go before league play starts, and they have a big test with Kelso to open up league play. And, and if you guys didn't know beforehand, Kelso will not play a week four game. They had a scheduled contest with Aberdeen. Aberdeen decided to to forfeit this week's matchup even before they played their, their double overtime game with uh, Elma. So the Scotties, the Highlanders, whichever you want to call them, um, they're going to have two weeks to prepare for, uh, for Prairie.
0: Yeah, and that's not their two Kelso's two biggest games this year. They're gonna have bye weeks leading up into, so you know, week four they have a bye because of a forfeit, yes. uh, and and so they get that leading up to Prairie, and then week seven they have uh, the canceled game with Fort Vancouver yes. leading up into Mountain View. So. I imagine I know it's frustrating for Kelso, especially the very, you know, hardcore fan base uh, to not be able to see, you know, kind of a full slate, especially, you know, if they were able to get a home game in that week seven spot or, or they obviously had a home game scheduled week four. So it's it's bad for the fans. It's bad for the players. But I imagine as far as playoff hopes go and trying to win a league. It certainly helps to have two weeks to prepare for those two teams
1: it does you know talking with coach steve amrine saturday yes of course they're disappointed they're not going to play they're, they're going to try to do like a mimic uh flag football type thing up at schroeder field getting alum alumni involved in this but for me this is a seven game regular season schedule for these seniors i mean you look at football it's a nine game regular season it's kind of the, the equivalent of an 18 game basketball regular season. So you miss two games, that's really the equivalent of four games in basketball that especially these seniors are losing. And so you're taking that really away from them and and they've they've had chances. There's been multiple teams in this area that have tried to schedule Kelso, especially the week 7 game, and it's kind of a thanks but no thanks on Kelso's end.
0: Yeah, and and that I I really feel for the kids because football is one of those sports you don't get to play it after high school you Mm -hmm. know I I remember working on a story a couple years back and a coach told me you know this is it you know for these seniors when they they step off that field their final game they set their their helmet down and they turn in their pads they're never putting it on again Mm -hmm. this isn't something you go you go pick up and play on a Saturday when you're 30 years old like you can do with other sports you know this is it and to, to see them have have two games gone it, it's a real it's a real disappointing thing and you know I think it's it, it might just be because of, of you know injury risk and low numbers around the state but I think the tendency that I've seen the last few years for teams to forfeit um, you know games whether it because of a competition level or otherwise is real kind of concerning for me as far as high school football goes because of that exact reason I want the kids to play and, and even if it's not competitive, if there's no injury risk, I don't see why you can't go out and, and play.
1: Right, and Kelso isn't the only game or the only team this week. Seton Catholic also is idle this week, and obviously we've talked on previous episodes. The week seven, that's a, a week that multiple games Hawkins or multiple teams, excuse me, Hawkinson, LeCenter, as well as Kelso, will not be playing. So this will not be the only time uh, this season that we will be continuing to talk about uh, bye weeks idle weeks, whichever you want to call them.
0: And, and maybe you don't know the answer to this question, but is there a solution to, to these things, not just this year, but is there a solution to trying to figure out how to make sure these teams play full schedules? Because, I mean, it made national news a couple of years ago with teams forfeiting to Archbishop. And right. when you have lines that big, I can understand the, the reasoning behind, you know, like a small Coopville, like, going, I don't want to have my players get hurt. Sure. But when it's, you know, Kelso, I don't think their, li- their line is big, but I don't think they're going to, you know, injure a guy in front of them you know they're not that big no
1: no you look at Aberdeen before their their first victory last Friday over Elma they hadn't scored a touchdown in their two previous games and this would have been their last non-league game before opening up with Centralia for league play and so that was one of the primary reasons they wanted to stay healthy to get healthy in order to to start league play but I don't know to answer your question I don't know if there is an answer because that's sadly kind of the direction that we've seen the last four five six years
0: yeah, it's it's concerning. So, you know, if, if you have an answer out there, tweet at us. We'd love to hear it because
1: yeah. we sure as heck don't know it.
0: Right. Yeah. Maybe we we can figure out a solution together. You know, that's what the social media is for. What but. I would love
1: to see week seven. And I've and I've said this before, not on here, but just in the office. I would love to see Kelso Hawkinson Le Center week seven do like a round robin um, jamboree type thing. Practice your trick plays, practice whatever you wanna do. Don't charge admission. But all three of those teams play like a jamboree style get together. I'm calling it right now, let's make it happen.
0: Yeah, it would be a lot of fun. Make I'd, it happen. Let's it. go. You just can't allow if you're running trick plays, you can't allow film. You know, you yeah can't okay, allow good other point. coaches to film. Make it. a
1: flag full, make <laughs> it fun. Make it enjoyable. Yeah, make, make it a worthy cause. You know, donate food to the Clark County food bank. Something enjoyable for people to come Watch a little bit of football, even though it's not counting in the win-loss column. Right.
0: Flag football would be fun. Kelso's doing that this week—a little, a little blue and gold flag football game. Two dollars admission. You know, it it goes a long way. And and the other thing, you know, is with that admission, teams are missing out on home gates, and football can carry the athletic budget for a lot of these teams. Uh, you know, especially the ones that draw big crowds. So there's a lot to look at when you you talk about these bye weeks and these these forfeits. Um, A couple of things that caught me by surprise, uh, you know, from from overseas was River against Ridgefield. Uh, River kind of handily beat Ridgefield in week three. And Ridgefield was one of those teams we were really high on. Yeah. And you you looked at Columbia River coming off the loss uh, to Skyview and you're kind of wondering where they're at. And Mason Pretty has a heck of a game and and Columbia River just kind of, you know, kind of coasts away with that one and and that was one where I was like oh okay no uh,
1: the the Chiefs uh, I have to credit to them they were up 35 zip at one point and I'm looking at the score going what on earth is going on Mason pretty like you said he's our week three athlete of the week pretty much put up video game numbers 20 of 27 passing counted for four touchdowns three for 285 on the yardage and yeah given given head coach Brett Smedley his first victory as head coach of the Chieftains. so um, they're going in the right direction. They got Hawkinson this week, a very uh, stiff test, but uh, I think they're up for the challenge.
0: Yeah, now they're looking like you know a playoff team, and and that's not something I would have necessarily pegged, uh, you know, pegged them as bef- when I got on the plane. Let's mm-hmm. just yeah. say that. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, the other thing that's kind of interesting to me, and and this is this isn't necessarily a week three result that caught me by surprise, but Seton Catholic is three and zero. This was a team midsummer. I was hearing coaches talk about worrying about if they were going to field a team you know hey they might only have 10 guys this year and then you show up to first day of practice and they have 24 25 guys out and and now they're three and zero, and and that is just i mean the, their first three and oh start in in program history and you know, that, that Dan Chase has done a great job reintegrating himself into that program and getting kids excited. I was at that practice, um, you know, second day of practice, and he was telling kids like, hey, call your friends, get them out here. We we need bodies. Let's get them excited about football again. And I know they haven't played the, you know, the stiffest tests, uh, you know, two independent squads and, and you have Chimicum as well. And, you know, but to get three wins uh, as a program that's just trying to get numbers is is, is, I think huge for that program.
1: Yeah, I saw them play and beat um, Chimicum in that week one opener and talking with Elijah Volk after that game and he was just so impressed of the growth and the maturation of not only the skill set of so many of these guys but just absorbing this knowledge from spring ball through summer and into the start of the season. He's just been really impressed. You got to remember 16 of their 27 guys have not played high school football before. That's what makes it even more remarkable, the fact that they're 3-0. and
0: Yeah, I mean, hats off to that program right now. I mean, who knows what the rest of the season has in store, but, you know, 3-0 through three weeks, you got to be feeling real good. Yeah. The biggest news of the week, you know, we get back, uh, I get back and, you know, see on Tuesday morning, WIAA has released its football state championship sites we all knew they were moving out of the tacoma dome they finally announced the sites uh the 4a and 1b will be at mount tahoma in tacoma the 3a and 2as are at Sparks stadium in puyallup and the 1a and 2bs are at harry lang stadium in lakewood so i think meg you had kind of talked about the possibility of where these might be is this pretty much Uh aligned with where you thought they might Exactly.
1: Yeah, I'd heard some rumblings talking with a number of um, sources back in the summer, and there was a lot of um, talks, a lot of firm talks about having a, pretty much a, a trio of centrally located stadiums relatively in the, the South Sound, Tacoma, Pierce County neighborhood, which made perfect sense. No surprise whatsoever, these three stadiums. Um, little bit of insight of these stadiums. Mount Tahoma Stadium is the host site for the state 4A, 3A, 2A track and field championships. Puyallup, for a number of years, has hosted 4A, 3A state soccer on the boys' and girls' side. Harry Lang Stadium in Lakewood, the only state event that I'm familiar with that is hosting, and I was actually at this game, was back in 2008. It hosted Capitol and Bellevue in the 3A state semifinals in football. And the only reason why I was at that game is because that was the year that Bellevue's football team was involved in that bus crash when its bus tipped on its side on Interstate 5, and they delayed the game that was scheduled in the Tacoma Dome for three days, and they played it at Harry Lang. So Harry Lang traditionally isn't known for a state venue, but um, here it is. It's on the campus of Clover Park High School. Um, I have kind of mixed feelings on this. I know looking at social media comments. Um, people are
0: angry, man. People
1: are very angry, and I, I know. Um, it it kind of reminds me of the anger when the WIAA – a number of years ago, a drop down from the 16 team double elimination tournament in basketball to eight. Kind of the same outrage a little bit. But again, so many of it is, is revenue based. Um, I will say this, this is, this is going to be a temporary solution. It is not going to be a permanent solution. Um, the one thing that bothers me about having it at a high school venue, is the the fan experience. And I have to give I have to give kudos to the WIA because they took the fan experience um, into high considerations when they redid the Tacoma Dome renovations. You could not see I think it was what they took away 30 or 35 rows of seats essentially. Yeah,
0: you couldn't see a good portion of the field. No, and
1: where we were sitting up in the media row for Hawkinson and Union last year's championship games is they were both the one sees. We could not see them on their home sidelines. Right. Kudos to the WIA for taking into consideration the fan experience. However, when you look at the seating capacity at all these venues, Mount Tahoma is the largest. It seats maybe 5,500. I'll maybe even knock that down to 5,000. On Championship Saturday of track and field, that place is an absolute zoo. It is standing room only. There's probably 7,500 to 8,000 people, and that includes includes, um, spectators, and participants. The thing about grandstands is it's not equal seating on both sides. There's roughly 3,500 seats on the home side of Mount Tahoma Stadium, maybe 1,500 or so on the visitor side. Let's take last year's championship game between Union and Lake Stevens in the 4A game and put that game at Mount Tahoma. They both drew amazing crowds. So Lake Stevens as the two seed was technically quote unquote the visitors can you imagine putting that fan base trying to smack that into fifteen hundred seats? I don't think so. There are it's they're gonna have to bring in portable seating. They're either gonna have to let people roam on the track. I don't know what they're gonna do, but there's that's going to be a major headache and I'm glad I'm not involved in that part because I would just I think I would lose it.
0: I, I agree with you in in that aspect. The 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 fan the the fans sitting down, there's gonna be issues because as I think Ryland Spencer pointed out, what about the band? You know, if yeah. the Camus band is in there, you have like 200 kids right there. True, that takes uh, up
1: one, por- like one third of the portion of the visitor. So grandstand. I understand
0: that. I also, as a as a fan, I wouldn't mind standing along the track either. The 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 all these stadiums are are so far back mm-hmm. from the field. I don't mind standing on the track either. I'm sure they'll pull out some portable bleachers. I don't think it's necessarily a a, a bad thing. tacoma dome people act like it was this really hot thing like have you guys been in the tacoma dome recently it smells it's dusty you end up with a cold or a flu coming out of there every time it's on this carpet on top of cement that i would not want to play on as a player probably feels like a rock landing on i'm afraid of torn acls there's that slick shimmer that you can't see the players because that there's that weird shimmer on the grass this feels like we're getting back to the roots hardcore you know high school football throw them out in the elements like let's let's go and I, I like that aspect of it I, but
1: I'm, no okay but it's the destination that's what people you drive down i-5 you see the ugly building on the left or the right depending on what side of i-5 you're driving and you see that place is that's where i'm aiming to go play are we
0: sure that's not just you want some relief from the traffic yeah, true.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, Lord knows that the I-5 construction has been going on since I was in college at PLU, and, and we're dating back to the mid-2000s on that. But yes. So I understand that place is, oh, yeah. Gosh, we can't wait to go
0: play in South yeah. Tacoma. Yeah. You know, it was always road to the dome. Now it's road to various high school venues around the state. Right.
1: Are these great venues for high school games? Sure. Are these, are these the best venues? Uh...
0: There's debate yeah, among.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it depends on what they're your definition best, of that. The
0: best venue centrally located. Fine,
1: fine. I agree with that. Um, Mount Tacoma Stadium. Uh, there's one way in and one way out on on 74th Street.
0: Yeah, that's going to be an. Uh,
1: yeah. So that's that's S- a problem. Same thing at Harry Lang. Right. Um, Harry Lang and and Spark Stadium in Puyallup are um, structurally um, built very similarly. Um, easy access to, to I-5, 512, and whatnot. If, if you're a diehard hard fan, you could try to get to all three venues if, if you're that type of a person. But, I mean, go back to the, the fan things. They've, the WI has separated the game times, 12 and 4 p.m., for, for the two games that are at each of those three sites. And the 1Bs, again, going back to the, the Mount Tahoma example, who knows that it's if you've seen eight man football that
0: tends to go three plus hours to be fair to be fair about the 1b game if we're gonna assume that it's a high scoring game we also have to assume that most years the 1b game is going to be played on the east side because there is a stipulation that the WI said is if two east side teams this doesn't apply to southwest washington teams as far as we know uh Two East Side teams, if they were to meet in the state championship, would have the option to play somewhere closer to home. Correct. And I think that that stipulation is great. Yes. For East Side fans, I heard a lot of complaints from the Odessa, the Almira, Cooley, Heartlines of having to travel over here every year when they're so so close to each other over there, and they some of their fans couldn't travel the eight hours. To right. Get over and-
1: We saw that in the 1A title game last year between Colville and Newport near Spokane, where they, and that was a league, not a league game, but two league opponents. Heck, they might have just shared a bus coming over here carpooling, you know what I mean? And so that would make sense for them to play that game east of the mountains. But yes, um, Central and Eastern Washington teams, uh, that does not go for Southwest Washington. If we are to have two teams from Southwest Washington play, we are still scheduled to be up in the south sound for those games unfortunately
0: i i i I can understand the frustration i think a lot of it is resistance to change yes but to be fair i sat down you, you know we've talked about this in the office and i sat down today you know ready to come into this podcast and say Nah, it's fine like let's deal with it this is high school football we're playing in high school venues other states do it we can do it it's fine it's a football game Let's play football. We all knew it was going to be outdoors. Like, what's the complaint? Like, did we really think we were going to be in CenturyLink? Like, that wasn't a reasonable solution to me. So I was like, this this is fine. I don't understand the outrage. And then I started doing some research. I said, hey, what does Oregon do? What does Idaho do? What do the other states do? And what I found out, I thought everyone, most everyone played in high school stadiums outside of Texas, and they played in Jerry World, and everyone else played on lowly high school fields. Mm-hmm not so let's go to the notepad. not so true what do you got notepad is most team, most teams most states play in the top college dome or stadium you know in the state so uh you know in idaho last year they played their top division at albertson stadium um in colorado they played at mile high uh in texas they play at, at jerry world AT&T stadium Uh, In Nevada, they play at UNLV's gorgeous Sam Boyd Stadium. In Arizona, they play at Sun Devil Stadium. In Indiana, they played at Lucas Oil. In Louisiana, they played at the Superdome. You have states all around. I've gone through about 35 of the 50 before before I came in here, and... There's only three other states last year that played their top division. Now, some of the lower divisions were different. The thing about the W.I.A., they do tend to treat all their classifications equally. And that's not necessarily true with other states. But only New Mexico, Montana and West Virginia played at high school specific stadiums. And two of those stadiums were specifically designed to host their state football championships
1: no surprise with montana honestly little surprise with new mexico just given that the university of new mexico is in the heart of albuquerque uh new mexico state uh is in las cruces does a great job um, especially with this high school sports coverage down there i figure that maybe but huh so little surprising
0: i i was i was genuinely shocked that so many so many states play in their biggest stadiums. Because mm-hmm. we have to remember, in most of these states, the biggest stadium in town is their college football stadium.
1: Right. And, right. For, and for years, you look at Oregon for a number of years. Uh, Reister Stadium, Austin Stadium, and Oregon State and Oregon were prime locations for the larger classifications right. when Oregon was still a four-classification right. state. Um, now that Providence Park is remodeled only for MLS venue, that's also out the window. So now it's hillsborough stadium which is, is now home to the marquee, Portland, yeah. right the portland state vikings home away from home whatever you want to call it a quality venue but
0: yeah yeah so we're looking at washington and oregon right now of the of the stadiums i've gone through are, are two of the poorer venues around the country for a high school state football championship and so now i kind of understand the outrage i understand if I'm in Utah and I go, I get to go play at the youth stadium. It hosts, you know, it holds 40,000 people. Uh, I get to go play at Lucas Oil if I'm in Indiana. Those are big time. I get to go play at Mile High if I'm in Colorado. Those are some big time venues that you look forward to. And trust me, they're all better than the Tacoma Dome. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it, it is... So now I understand the outrage. And now I go, hey, maybe this isn't fit. But like you said, you think it's temporary. So I want to ask, where should we be holding these things? Oh, man.
1: Yeah. Oh, I would love to be a fly on the wall right now with, with the WIA. And and you have to remember, they're under new administration with Mick Hoffman, who spent uh, most of his career um, as a coach, teacher, administrator with Vancouver Public Schools. Um, um, boy. I think eventually we'll see maybe something at Husky Stadium down the road or CenturyLink. I think eventually um, the Seahawks certainly don't need the money, but I think maybe in time they will see that maybe this isn't a good solution. That might be a better solution. We we know that they already host an annual high school kind of a kickoff classic weekend classic there every year. But it's a size thing too. I mean, you're playing – was it, 60,000 seats The right. century? And Link some holds? of these
0: states, we have to remember, some of these states like their high school football a lot more than Washington. True. Tacoma Dome draws some people, yes. They don't draw the 60,000, 70,000 fans that Texas high school football draws or the, the other states in this small-town America mm-hmm. that literally the whole state shows up to their high school football state championship. So we're in, we're in Washington State. We're not at that level. What, what can you expect from the top division? Maybe max 10,000, like it, if it's two marquee teams right. and there's a big name prospect, maybe max 10,000. So even Husky Stadium and CenturyLink, I think, are too big.
1: Yeah, it's going to feel empty is what it is. Um, those, You know where I would love to see it? And I don't think this will ever happen, but Tomlinson Stadium at Central Washington. It is centrally located. Um,
0: Quite literally, it's called Central.
1: Correct. Correct. Um, First weekend in Ellensburg, however, um, weather-wise, not appealing. I understand that. But beautifully renovated stadium, I think it would do an outstanding job. I know there's talks about possibly Central Washington eventually wanting to move up in the next number of years to try to get 1AA status. It would be a great venue to host that thing. But I think in the near future we could see Husky Stadium, CenturyLink. Those would be my top two that we could see.
0: There are a lot of states that do play at some of their smaller football schools. You know, there's, there's like, Kansas plays at uh, Europia State College or whatever. Uh, you know, what about, you know, a, one of the smaller colleges that we don't necessarily think about hosting it?
1: Uh, let's see. Well, you could look at the University of Puget Sound. Yeah. Um, that Baker Stadium hosts uh, seats maybe, gosh, maybe 4,000, I would say. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I mean, state basketball years ago, I mean, we're talking 40s and 50s was was hosted at the field house there, but I'm not sure.
0: That could be a little small. Yeah. A little small. But maybe for some of the smaller classifications. Yeah. Maybe you go for a 3A at CenturyLink, you know, and you you can deal with both those crowd sizes coming in and out and and be completely fine at, at CenturyLink or Husky Stadium. And you do some of the smaller schools. You know, in in the South Sound.
1: I think it's, if they're going to do CenturyLink or Husky, it's got to be everybody. It's got to be all six.
0: I, I mean, I don't know. I, I the, the that's what I said is the yeah. WI does treat everybody fairly. Mm-hmm. Th- that's been the good thing about the WI, 1B to 4A. Mm-hmm. But other states don't do that, and I think that allows them to have that that royal experience for some of their bigger schools. you have to look at some of the smaller schools. Is you know the 2Bs travel so well, but you know they they still not going to fill up Harry Lang Stadium. Right. So maybe we look at alternative venues where it still feels grand for them, mm-hmm. but maybe they don't—they don't get Husky Stadium.
1: I will say this: I think the days of the Tacoma Dome for football are—they're they're done.
0: And I think they're that's done. a good thing. They're done. I think that's a good thing. Now, Matt
1: Classic—that is a one of a kind. There is no other state wrestling tournament in the nation that has a Matt Classic, and I think the WI does a, a great job when it Brilliant. comes to bringing. Brand- it's tremendous. Um, and they, that uh, will stay. I, I don't we, see that. We leaving. could
0: complain about the delays last year with a 32 man bracket and some of the complications, but for the WIA to put that together last year with a 32 man bracket and still get out about midnight on that second day, it shows it can be done. It, incredible. Yeah. I mean, that is incredible,
1: but I think the days of football gridiron finals dates back to what the late seventies, I believe it's it's done. We've seen the last of the Tacoma dome for football.
0: Yeah. I, I I, I, like I said, I can understand the outrage. I, I, like you said, I think it's temporary, Mm -hmm. but you know, I think there's going to be, I think it's, I don't think it's going to be Husky stadium or century link. I think there's going to be some middle ground here. Like we're not going back to 16 man brackets. We went to 12 and there's a nice compromise. I think that's going to be the end solution here somewhere down the line. All right. Well, we'll wait and see. So anyway that's kind of our that's kind of the big news you can tell we're, we're, we're fired, fired up, up in about here. it. people are fired up on Twitter. Uh, if you think we're wrong, tweet at us.
1: We're always wrong. <laughs> we just think that we're right.
0: So tweet at us tweet your ideas. Maybe you have a, an idea that's better than ours that we haven't thought of. you know I, I'd like to hear from you guys tweet at us um, you, you know uh, all of our Twitters you know at 360 preps uh, all that good stuff. Step away from football for half a second uh i'd like to point out some some of the standout teams uh you know early in this non-football season uh you know a lot of league play is just starting to begin um, you know 2a gshl girls soccer has like three league matches in at this point and there's a couple teams that have really caught my eye and i've been able to uh at least see one of them so far this year and, and I'll start with Ridgefield soccer. I saw them uh, last night against Hawkinson. Uh, they beat them 4-0. And they look like a team that's really ready to make a run. They're 7-0. and they're, they're 3-0 in league play. And they're going to make for a really interesting 2A GSHL with River and Hawkinson. And Washugal even gave Ridgefield a test. And Mark Morris made state last year. Uh, this is going to be a really deep 2A GSHL. But you have to look at that Ridgefield soccer team. And I was just walking back to my car and hearing in the parking lot a couple of parents being like, man, Robbie's really coaching him up. Like, th- Robbie Trimbo has done a really good job with this group. And they're starting to believe in each other and the interesting thing is that the freshmen are succeeding a uh, right alongside the seniors and they've really built that atmosphere where where they can kind of embrace some of the freshmen and, and get them up to the level of play uh really quickly because there's not that uh but not that oh you're you're just a freshman you're not you're not ready to play with us yet so that's been a really intriguing team and the other one is Ridgefield volleyball. They're also four and zero, and so I think there's big things uh, for Ridgefield, uh, you know, fall season this year.
1: I think I'm really looking forward to the matchups, both in soccer and volleyball. Ridgefield versus Columbia River, the first two times those teams meet, and I believe it's October eighth. There's be a showdown in both those sports. Uh, the Chieftains and Sputters in soccer, I think, are a combined. Ooh, let me think. Well, they're undefeated.
0: Right. And I believe it's 13 and now.
1: It's pretty good. That's
0: really pretty good. Pretty good by my
1: math. Pretty good.
0: And and those, I would not be shocked to see River and Ridgefield not only meet the twice in in girls soccer and volleyball in the regular season, but I'd be expecting some district matchups yep, as well. Me too. Yep. So those are those are some teams to to keep an eye on. Um, you know, a, as we step outside of football for a, a quick second. All right, now we jump into our 3 to C for the week. It is week four. What's the biggest games on tap? I'll start with you, Meg. Oh,
1: my favorite segment, 3 to C. Yeah, so I'm going to be at uh, Chiawana Union. That's the uh, early game of the McKenzie Doubleheader Friday 430 kickoff. This should be a dandy of a game. Chiawana coming in 3-0, and ranked seventh in the latest AP rankings that came out on Wednesday. Um, Union coming off um, – a surprising loss, 31-8 to um, against Eastlake. That was a, a road loss. They were uh, down 21, zip at one point um, to the Wolves before um, scoring a touchdown in the second half. But this could be a, another kind of a statement game for Union. They had their 16-game winning streak that dated back to uh, the Week 10 uh, game of the 2017 season, snapped. So it'd be a good game to kind of get right back on the right track for the Titans.
0: Yeah, I was a little surprised to see Union get beat so handily after watching them really take it to Stillicum the week before, and they—I mean—they looked like all cylinders clicking offensively. They were—they were awesome. They—they they could run the ball. They had these little like screen type passes that were working. Their their defense was outstanding in that one, and I, I was really expecting Union to just continue to roll. Mm-hmm. And I think it shows just how tough this four A is this year. And Uh, You know, Rory Rosenbach wanted a stiff schedule, and he gets another one uh, and and gets a a little bit of a challenge with 4.30 start time. And if he wants to play in the state championship game, he'll be playing at 4 p.m. anyway. Good
1: point. Absolutely. Well said.
0: So, uh, the next one is the one I'll be traveling to. I will get to see Camas for the third time this season in four weeks. And, uh, I was off one of those weeks. So, uh, you know, all three weeks I'm covering football so far have been with Camas. They are at Bellevue. Uh, this is going to be a huge game. Camas is looking really good. The last time I saw him, they beat Hazen last week. They beat West Valley and they were up 35, zero in that one. And, uh, you know, they're just, they're just, they're just clicking right now. And, uh, you know, there's not much you can do to stop them. So we'll see if a talented Bellevue team in the 3A classification, uh, you know, on the road, that's a tough matchup to go travel up north and, and try to beat a Bellevue team.
1: Yeah, you know, they're on this revenge tour. I think that's pretty um, well stated for. Uh, this is also a revenge game. I was at the, the contest last year, and that was the game that Bellevue made a fourth-quarter comeback and, and won it with a last-second field goal as time expired to win 38-35. to 35. So... Um, I'm anxious to see if Camus can improve to 4-0 on this one.
0: I think, you know, especially if they're able to, to get a win in this one on the road, I think mm-hmm. that goes a long way to cementing the fact that, that people think Camus is a potential title, title contender this yes. year. And if they can have wins over Lincoln and, uh, and Bellevue in the first four weeks, uh, that goes a long way to proving those people right, for it sure. It does. Uh, the last one uh, that we'll highlight this week is Kalama Atlas Center and this is one uh last year uh Le knocked out alex dyer and um kalama came back and still held them off Lacenter is is really looking good this year i mean they are just they're firing and and tom lambert looks awesome in that offense they have a little bit of a passing threat to keep teams honest and they're going up against a Calama team that that lost to Napa Vine and and uh, had their big win streak snapped. And you know I think it's going to be down to the wire in that one.
1: Yeah, talking with uh, sports editor Micah Rice, who was at their game last Friday, 48-14 win over Hoquiam. He he really likes La and he kind of compares this year's team to the last couple years ago when they made back-to-back 1A state semifinal runs. And so he's really impressed with just the offensive line. You mentioned Lambert. He rushed for 192 yards on 15 carries. So this could be uh, another team that would be uh, one to watch for as the season progresses.
0: Yeah, I've seen Kalama a lot the past few years, and they're obviously the two-time defending 2B champions. But, you know, they lost a, a little bit on the line the last couple of years, and that's LeCenter's strong suit. They are big and mighty up front, and both all those guys go both ways. And I think that's going to be the difference maker in this game is LeCenter, I think, is going to be able to control the line. And, uh, you know, if they can stop the spread uh, attack with, led by Jackson Essery of Kalama, uh they'll be in good shape in this one. So that that'll be interesting and and Le center could jump out to, you know, 4-0 start here. So that is it. Uh, for uh, episode 6 of the Full Circle podcast make sure to follow us on Twitter at 360preps as well as Instagram and uh, all of our podcasts are available on Spotify Google and Apple as well as 360preps.com where you'll find all of our content from Friday night's games and all of our stories leading up to it including previews for all of this week's matchups so uh, make sure to, to check everything out there 360preps.com and uh, we'll check back next week for episode 7 A team will always appreciate a great individual if he's willing to sacrifice for the group. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar